This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Indo-Daily. I actually don't believe, right, that priests said or have any harm. It just, like, thought I knew. But that's how I found that Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border, and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio by, as always, Luke Fitzgerald and Leinster and Ireland prop Keane Healy. Keane, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, lads. We wanted to get you on for a while, Keane, and, and as we kind of touched on off air a couple of minutes ago, I was getting a bit worried when you started putting up these videos of knife making that maybe I wouldn't <laughs> get a chance. There might be some terrible accident. Ireland star loses hand in knife making accident yeah, or something like that. I think a lot of people are getting worried, but uh, I'm very safe. Yeah, this is, should be a lot safer than the knife making anyway. Um, Autumn Internationals are, you know, they've kickstarted. You haven't been involved just yet. What, what was last week like for you? I know you weren't over in Chicago and a few of the lads would have been back training in Carton House. Uh, yeah, we had a tough week. We had um, fitness and going, well, going through plays on the Monday and kind of preparation, then fitness, weights, more fitness. Tuesday was more fitness, <laughs> more weights. And uh, that... Then we were released out to train in Leinster and then I got an evening session in with one of my mates in his gym. So it was a bit of a kind of training and wellness week to look after the body. You probably thought you might get a couple of days rest, but then Joe Schmidt announced he was staying behind for a couple of extra days to put you through (laughs) your pace. I'm sure you guys love that. (laughs) Uh, No, it was. It was actually really good. I I picked up a lot from it because I wouldn't have been in those... uh, groups where the leadership lads are, are doing their thing so um, I picked up a lot from being in that in that environment with them. It's interesting as well, uh, Keen. hello by the way, how are things? Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, just when I'm, I suppose when we started off and we were playing together and against each other since we're I think 10 years old I think yeah, was the first yeah. match I remember playing Keen in uh, Lansdowne Road for the Barbarians match. Oh, Still yeah, a monster, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> back then. Yeah, yeah, actually did, actually, yeah, quite badly. No, but we know each other for years and years, but it's funny because we kind of went on the, on the uh, kind of learning about training and getting professional and then playing together in all the big matches and stuff yeah. together. But I always think the thing I've noticed the most about you since you started is you've really taken a massive interest in the training. Like, obviously, you were always a great trainer in the gym and that, but you look like you've really figured out the whole package of it because there's more to it than just like lifting weights and doing the running and the training like yeah. I, I think the whole wellness side I think you've gotten really good at all that stuff getting your rest in uh, and all the little small kind of prehabilitation bits you look like you're really set on that at the moment um, yeah it kind of happened by accident like there's a lot of stuff I enjoyed doing like in the last couple of years swimming in the sea like I yeah. doing that because I wanted to and then I started finding I was getting great recovery benefits and feel good factors and then I don't know, through years of rugby, you kind of have to do the rehab stuff, so like shoulder warm-ups and stuff, which aren't the most enjoyable, but you tie them in. Like Probably grand for you, man. Look at these little weedy <laughs> things here. <laughs> oh, you had to do them to survive. Yeah, yeah. But, but in fairness, for you, like I suppose the reason it was, I, I mentioned it is because, I mean, you're just, I always, you know, anyone who asks me about it, I say like, yeah, once in a generation athlete for me, like just a, an unbelievable, powerful balance kind of the full package in terms of a power athlete. So I always thought it came quite, like, like obviously you worked hard, but it would have come quite easy for you. I mean, you're always like a really powerful athlete. So I always think it was really interesting to watch you go on the journey as a professional to figuring it all out now. I mean, I see your, all the stuff where you're lying down on the mats with the, you know, oh, the little yeah. spikes and all these it's kind beautiful. of things. 
<laughs> it looks weird to me. Sense of enjoyment, <laughs> the pain, and then it just switches you off. Yeah, and I think as well, probably a few of the injuries, like at the, in the last couple of years, have you have you got more interested, or I suppose it's probably been out of necessity that you've had to maybe figure out a bit more of that stuff. Is it? Um, necessity, boredom, everything. Like it, it all ties in. Like when you're not training or, or you're only doing rehab in Leinster or whatever, you you need something else to do. So one of the years I bought a Pilates reformer and. I've seen it now. Yeah, I haven't put it up uh, where I'm at at the moment because uh, space is a bit low. But that'd be my go-to now for just kind of Sunday morning stretch or whatever. And um, I actually should get that set back up. <laughs> <laughs> we have one in Leinster though, so I kind of crack on in that. But uh, yeah, that sort of stuff I kind of just came about by thinking I'm doing this stuff in Leinster that's kind of tedious enough to do when you're going in for the same rehab or whatever. So. What can I add to change it up a bit and make it a bit more enjoyable so every day isn't exactly the same? Plus, you can do it at home and you can stay in Clontarf. Well, I'll tell you, exactly. Clontarf lads are unbelievable. Yeah. Never want to leave the parish. Unbelievable. <laughs> Ian, do, you seem, do you seem to be a bit of your own man when it comes to that kind of stuff? Like, what kind? Do you need to get clearance if you want to go off and try something new in terms of training or, or, or like that? Or do you just kind of do it quietly and, and then put it up on Instagram and everyone sees it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a few things I do myself and if I think they're any good, I'd run them by the lads. Like, um, I got, there's a fella online, he's, he ties into everything I'm into. He's a chef, he's a knife maker, <laughs> and he's crazy into training. Uh, fella called Adam Perry Lang. But I saw him training with uh, Indian clubs, and oh, yeah. it looked incredible for shoulder mobility and range and stuff. So oh, yeah. I went and bought a pair of them online and, <laughs> and got using them. And, I brought them into Leinster now and I got to get a few clear eyes now looking I'm at people yeah. I want to see up to this time. <laughs> I'm um, honestly not surprised, man. Like, it was just, uh, if anyone, I mean, you, obviously we'd all know you well uh, from playing together for so long and that, but I'm sure anyone who follows Keen on Instagram, like, you must be the most interesting follow of all time. <laughs> like, there isn't a habit that, or a hobby, sorry, that you kind of haven't picked up along the way. I mean, you're just one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit Sex about some of the stuff. nugget get filthy mileage out of that. They text each other over my Instagram. Instagrams and oh, what's he doing this time? We so. all did, man. Honestly, <laughs> listen. In terms of like, say, like I mean, aside maybe the people don't know about you. We get back to the to the rugby stuff, but like, all, all, tell us a little bit about kind of the art and that. I mean, I know you struggled a little bit when your arm was wasn't wasn't in great shape, but are you still are you back painting? You're back able to do any of that no, stuff? Or? That's that's as good as scrapped. Is it good? Yeah. Yes, you were always yeah. brilliant at it. Um, what, what happened? Just. I never, I couldn't get as good as I was after the hand, so oh, I just really? parked it at that. I kind of I tried a few drawings and stuff like that, and yeah. they were just pissing me off because I couldn't do the line the way I wanted to or whatever. So, oh, you're kidding me! That's and a I shame, just isn't it? it? Yeah. Because I remember you had a few great photos, and you do one for Rory Best's uh, birthday, and you yeah. had kind of a few others that lads. Did you do one for Jamie as well? Have you? Uh, yeah, Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. That's the one <laughs> yeah, in his yeah. house. Is that you? Is it? Yeah. yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So that's a bit of a shame, but I mean, look at some of the other stuff, and you're always were. I mean, I, you're kind of one of those restless people outside of rugby, in, yeah, in my geez. opinion. I'd be probably be similar enough, uh, <laughs> probably not as constructive as you in my free time. But um, I mean, you were always into kind of rollerblading and all those kind of like. No, honestly, I'm yeah. actually not joking here. But you're kind of into the extreme sports size. Are you like you? Obviously, you can't do that much of it anymore. But when you started off, how did you get into all those things? Um, I don't know. I was just, just mad for a challenge and. Uh. There was a skate park in Clontarf when I started at that uh, in the old church and cracked on there and did that for a couple of years, did BMX and everything. So it was always kind of like if you don't try your hand at something, you don't know if you're any good at it. So I was always pretty happy to give something a go. You have a kind of very diverse set of interests, Luke mentioned there. Was <laughs> rugby something that you were really interested in or was it something you happened to be very good at by dint of training so much and, you know, becoming a very good athlete? Um, well, it started like when I started, I didn't know what it was. Uh, I just followed my mates up because they were going training. I didn't know what training meant, didn't know what it was. Went up and it was pretty much football where I could pick it up. So I was like, Grant, <laughs> <That's laughs> I'll get picked here. And uh, <laughs> it was in around two years later, then I probably started weights. So, uh, and where were you, Akeem? Were you in, was it Clontarf where you started off? Yeah, yeah. And who were you going up? Was it Paul O'Donoghue and, and that kind of yeah. crowd, was it? Paul O'Donoghue. Oh, I'd love to see 
playing against the likes of you and O'Malley and that, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. We were on the other side of town, yeah, on the safe yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, look, that's it. I mean, I suppose you had... We probably had a sports mad crew. Was was Duffo as well with you there? And uh, yeah. uh, was he... He probably... Yeah, it was a nice crew to start off with. But, I mean, like, as, as you say, so you kind of stumbled into the rugby. And were you always, as a, as a young guy, were you always, a, like, a really good athlete? Like, a naturally... Like, you know, when you're kind of 12, 13, were you ahead of everyone in terms of... When I got to then, probably, yeah, because... Sure, I got. I think I got my weights at eleven. So. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Um. That explains so a lot. Actually, it was a bit more, <laughs> a bit more <laughs> developed then. But before that, I was yeah. last picked on the team, sort of job. So. Oh, were you? I was brutal that. at football and all that. And <laughs> no Just coordination. Through lads. None, nothing. So. Uh, Is that what prompted the weightlifting to kind of? <laughs> Get picked yeah. first rather than last. Know, Pick yeah. me or you're getting beaten up. Weird. I, was, I was really young and I had a fascination yeah. with Arnie. And I was like, this lad is the best. So one of the, one of the days I was, Dad, get me weights. So uh, he got me them, but made me carry them to the car. So fair deal. And to, I, mean, I suppose uh, like Don as well, was he, has he been um, like a big influence? Because he's fairly sports mad, isn't he? Like, he, like he's mad into the rugby now. Yeah. 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 It was, soccer was his, his big thing. So oh, I it? think a bit of him died when I didn't play soccer. <laughs> and and uh, mom and dad and Adrian turned to rugby very quick and they were just... Didn't yeah. miss a game, job. They so. never missed a no. game. I was just going to say yeah. that. I mean, always in the... Uh, I remember playing Bellwell because my folks used to... And obviously my folks would have seen your, your yeah. parents at, um, you know, in the Irish schools and the Leinster schools, match, but they just never... They were just mad. And they're yeah. always so, I think, supportive of you, weren't they? I mean, they were brilliant for, for your career, I suppose, were they? Ah, huge, yeah. It's just knowing someone's there, pretty much, mm. when you're playing. It's a nice thing to have. Um, but yeah, anything I needed, like, they drove me to train and across the country, whatever. Even with athletics, they were driving me to competitions in Cork or Tullamore or wherever it was, constantly, so. And was it ever like a close call between like the athletics and, and, and the rugby? Because you were you were a really good shot putter, if I remember right. Is that right, shot put? Yeah, I'm after starting it again. <laughs> Are you starting it again, did you? In fairness, yeah. the training's unbelievable, like, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I started as a shoulder rehab thing there, so just to strengthen that up. But. Really? How are you so, going with it? Uh, I haven't stepped into a circle yet, so I've done a, a bit of stuff in the Leinster gym. So Tokyo 2020 a bit premature then? A never bit know. after that now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And talk to us about um, your kind of, uh, like, the, the journey in Leinster. We may as well start, uh, we'll go kind of chron chronologically, I suppose. Um, you know, we started off together with, with Michael Checker. You know, yeah. how, how did you find all that? And, like, I mean, the, the big change coming in from school together into into the rugby team. I mean, I just, I remember, I just absolutely loved it. I mean, I remember Checker was missed at He was very, very intense about yeah. the training and that. But uh, we kind of had a good group around us. Like, what did you, what, what do you remember about those first couple of years? Funny enough memories from them now. Like, I had a couple of blow-ups with coaches and stuff over gym stuff because I had such a clear thing in my head about it. And, mm. Remember Brad Harrington and stuff. I remember, oh, I remember coming nose to nose with him in the gym because he was offing me about my lifting and it was well heavier than everyone else's and that was really boiling me over. But like checks and Oxy and all, like they were brilliant to me. Like yeah. he was patting the back every time. I couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Or falling asleep in my first meeting. <laughs> <laughs> for that, it was, uh, it was all good. At least you didn't do it in your first Ireland camp like me yeah. with Eddie O'Sullivan. <laughs> well, that's, that's where the that's coffee the habits come from. So. Um, and I mean, like, I suppose in terms of your game, um, I mean, who who have you, like, when you first started off, who were any, any players or coaches that really kind of shaped you uh, or kind of helped you figure out how, like, how to get the best out of yourself in the early years? I did, I, like... Through Clontarf, I had uh, Aidan Murray and Colm Carmichael, who kind of let me do what I wanted. And that kind of went through everywhere. Then they, when, you know, when you're playing Cup and you mm. come back for a couple of games at the end, they're throwing me in centre and they're like, oh, this will build your skills of running. Oh, really? So I was doing that and that was so much fun when you're coming out of schools rugby, like, because it's so intense. So they were doing that. And then in Belvedere, there was Andy Kenny and... Steve Gibbons, Jim Cullen, they all kind of moulded me from yeah. the rough-edged type of person yeah. into into what I became kind of towards the end of school. Interesting, yeah. When did you kind of nail down being a prop? Because I know you played a bit of hooker in school as well. Like, was that a, a tough transition to, to, you know, to go to prop or was it just natural because you were just getting bigger and that maybe was where you thought you I might fit? I was playing prop more often than not in school and fifth year against Luke, he was hooker, the one that we won. 
and um, believe it still hurts <laughs> still hurts well <laughs> the last time they tried was Cheka tried to get me to be a hooker in my first or second year and I hated it so I faked a shoulder injury <laughs> I couldn't throw Check it if you're listening that's not true um, <laughs> he was trying to get me throwing practice in Donnybrook with Enda McNulty and I was like shoulder's gone I can't do it it's, it's just a bit too really? sore <laughs> I, I told that. I told checks after I was like yeah no I, my um, shoulder's fine uh, why didn't you want to, to play hooker because at the time he says even now you're a very dynamic ball carrier wouldn't have seemed yeah. to have been a crazy because I, I had set a vision in my head to just be specialist at one and not be someone that can just be diluted across the front row and I'd never gone over to tight head so that's somewhere I don't want to know about. And Hooker, I dabbled a bit and they kind of had ideas of that. And I kind of thought if I get caught up in between this, I can kind of be just kept on the bench or whatever. And I just said, park that, become extremely good at what I'm doing and make myself invaluable. And in those early days, I guess, you know, you two come out at the same time. Luke obviously was well known as a, as a People thought he was going to play for Ireland. What were your expectations for your career? Like, were you thinking I could be the same kind of level? I could be in the team right away. I could be achieving, you know, really big things. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go to the top and uh, and stay at the top. That was the plan. It wasn't just to get up and then get shifted out of there. And I wanted to kind of change a bit of what was expected because pinners when I came in were kind of dog workers like there was just carry the ball clean the rock and scrum so I was kind of trying to change a bit of that and bring the strength aspect and the mobility and be able to sidestep someone be able to give an offload be able to be a ball player so it was a bit of a notion of myself as a young lad <laughs> but uh but you played in the backs a little bit hadn't you like, I mean I know like you... it was after the like I had two years of two yeah two years of stints with Clontarf playing centre which is like yeah. it was a low, low enough level in centre like but it was good because I was starting to learn to see space and yeah. recognise when it was on to carry or to pass and stuff like mm. I think as well we had a we had a really good group of lads with us as well we had Keith Earls in that group um, you know who was obviously you know still like it was a cracking player at that <laughs> level um, he was we had, beefy back then oh he was a big boy yeah, yeah. when he came <laughs> on with us he said he was like Bastro back yeah, then in the centre yeah, honestly he came back he'd broken his ankle I think and he'd been eating the chips and a few bits of chockies <laughs> like yeah a bit rich for me at the moment saying that to be honest but he was uh, he was a big like he was like 15 maybe 15, 16 stone I think when we played yeah. in um we were in sixth or fifth year. Fifth year was it in the Irish works. schools. Uh, he was honestly, he was obviously you could still see he was class, like he had lovely footwork for a big guy in that. Yeah. Uh, but we had a nice we would uh, we had Vasily Artemiev as well. Yeah. He was a great schools player, Russian guy played with, with Black Rock. Or oh, sorry, you interviewed him, sorry, Will recently. Lightning. So you know Yeah, so he was and then we you know, we just had a, a good group of guys who were really yeah. into their sports. Uh you know, like mutual friends of ours, Paul O'Donoghue and obviously Ono Mali went on to great things as well. Um, so we had lots of guys who were very good rugby players. I think it was a good group. So I think everyone was fairly, like, I mean, it's, it's, I thought it was amazing. Like lots of that crew went on to actually play, you know, professional rugby somewhere. Yeah. Not always in like Leinster yeah. or Munster or whatever, but went on to the championship or whatever. But I always wanted to get the best of themselves. And actually, we all thought quite highly of ourselves, I think. Oh, um, oh we raised ourselves. <laughs> we're absolute yeah. raiders. Yeah, but um, yeah. I think it served us well because we went in and we were able, I think, to, to add something to the group straight away. You know, because they had lots of guys. In, you know, you had the older contingent who had lots of kind of disappointments. You had your Drickos and your, you know, Shane Horgans. These, like, um, obviously unbelievable and, and household names and stars who we were probably, like, I don't know about you, Churchy, I'm sure you were the same, but, like, we, I was looking at them. Like, they were my heroes. Like, Gordon Darcy, Dennis Hickey, all these guys. Um, you know, probably Reggie Corrigan for, for you and that. Like, those yeah. guys were heroes of ours. But they, had, they hadn't really got over the line. They hadn't really delivered on their potential consistently. And I think, you know, with a few people leaving, Michael Checker coming in, and some of the young blood like ourselves, Jamie Heaslip, Rob Carney, Johnny Sexton, I think we had a big impact on the group because we all believe in ourselves so much, I think. from Does any of that kind of strike an accord? It is, yeah. Well, you know. a lot of it came through Academy with what Dan Tobin had done with us. Like, yeah, he, he's he great had coach. turned us into mm. training machines and professional machines mm. that didn't really switch off. I mean, like... When we were in the academy, we went out like we did. We weren't, we weren't like completely shut down. We went out on mad nights and stuff. But when we trained, we we worked incredibly hard and and we had tough hours at it as well. So when we stepped into the senior setup, it was 
lads that were kind of doing the gym one two skip a few were looking at us who were <laughs> training like don't name any names lanes if you're listening <laughs> Ronnie <laughs> and, uh, yeah and I think that probably did have a bit of a knock on and then you know Chex was Chex was driving a big force of how he wanted things to do and we all bought into it and I think everyone was Everyone was buying into it, so it worked. Well, yeah, you got into the team at quite a young age. You know, success followed pretty quickly. Celtic League, Heineken Cup. You were, I think, 21 when you won the Heineken Cup. Uh, how would you say you handled that sort of success? You know, the, the fame that came with it, the success, whatever way you want to put it. Uh, I went wild. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was nights out, coppers, crystal, everything, yeah. It kind of defied what I should have done because like, cause I was still training and still going well enough. So it was like, oh, yeah, just keep tipping on like this. So yeah. A lot of me says yeah. a lot of me says I shouldn't have done it. But like, they were good times. You know, you're young. Like, it's, you're 21, like, yeah, it's yeah. tough to deal with. That kind but of he stuff. was, like, in fairness, you were such, like, you, you kind of touched on it there, but like you were just so much better. Like you were a way better athlete than, like you're a freaky athlete. I always say that about you. Uh, like just blessed um, in terms of flexibility, power, balance for a big guy, you know. Um, so you probably were able to get away get away with it for a while. Yeah, exactly. You know? But then you're, I think you probably, when I, like just in terms of my, knowing you, and probably Joe Schmidt probably was the big, I, I think towards the end of the checker, you were yeah. you were very, you were well oiled machine at that point. But when Joe came in, there was just no hiding, you know. But like say yeah. someone like Keane, I always felt like that was a massive jump for you because you were I felt like knowing you as a, as a friend that that was a period where you're like I can get more out of myself I need to be getting more out of myself I'm like I'm, I'm only just I like I've, I've gotten this potential I've delivered on this but there's way more in me did you yeah. was that did you have I, a moment like or did you have a coach that helped you with that or I would have felt like Joe changed a lot of that for mm. me and I think that was the coach getting more out of me and like I mm. changed the lifestyle to, to let that help and yeah. looked after myself ate healthy and all and all that business then I think in the last probably three years I've gone for the me getting more out of me as mm -hmm. well as a coach as well as the people around me and Laura and everyone looking yeah. into things to help me like so now I kind of feel like it's everyone around me is working with me in that kind of journey to just keep going and you feel like you're more the driving force now like, yeah, I, I would look exactly, I, I would yeah. think the same thing just from looking Obviously, from the outside, the last couple of years, but definitely the few years that we were like my you, last couple of years. You can be you know? really good and and be getting dragged up by people, mm -hmm. and then it's kind of to notice when that's happening and start pushing yourself up that extra bit. And simple thing as like extra fitness in your off season and mm. those extra twenty minutes at the end of training somewhere, <laughs> just like small stuff that you just have to pay a bit more attention to. Mm. Probably comes with age as well, like where. You get older, you don't get away with as much, and you need to be fitter, and the game is getting faster. So, and a few lads like Porter and that pushing you on, I'd say yeah. you lads seem to be getting on great in the. Yeah. Now that he moved to Tighthead, you can be friends with <laughs> him. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I was, was going to have to have some serious words a couple of years there. <laughs> but in fairness, there's a nice crew in there because Jack McGrath's a lovely fellow as well, and he's obviously yeah. a great player as well. So you guys seem to always be driving each other. It was actually, I've got to say, it was great to see Jack start start last week. Obviously, you guys are always. You know, you've been vying the last couple of years yeah. and you've got an edge at the moment and Jack had an edge there two years ago. But like it's it I just think it's a strong I always say it, I just think it's the front row at the moment is just like as as well with the big Tigger in there in uh serious in uh, we have a serious group in Leinster with like Eddie and Dills and Yeah Fack and now young Jack as well coming through. Like the the whole front row sort of system is is tight. Like mm. Props like you know the hookers kind of come in now. <laughs> you can't tame hookers. They you know, yeah. bubbles like they kind of pick their times and they want to want to talk to head. You can't tame the hookers now. They're lunatics. Uh, no yeah. good and, and JT. But and in terms of the of the group, because I, I remember that uh, you know you were a very tight bunch as well. Even you know when Stan Wright was there. But I think Mike Ross was a great man for kind of bringing yeah. the team together. Um, you know he would have barbecues over at the house yeah. and that. And I, I think I always thought it was a great way for the young lads to I suppose oh, time, get yeah. to know you lads personally. The guys have been around for a long time. Have you taken on a bit of a leadership role in that uh, in that crew? No, I just try and have my own thing individually with people like it's yeah. I don't like to be centre of that but like I'll yeah. build a relationship with lads you not get them out to the barbecues man you've never I've done, seen the barbecues have, that's I've another done, hobby I've as well I've done a day with them I've done a day with them the Burn Brothers Jesus they can eat <laughs> oh my god I got, a, I got a new big offset smoker thing like four or five hundred kilos of this 
and uh, I brought them all out for for the maiden voyage. Oh, the maiden voyage. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez, we ate. Have you seen these barbecues, Will? Have I've you? seen a couple of Instagram videos. <laughs> it's like uh, Jamie Oliver's vying with Manny Nadolo <laughs> for the, the biggest meat eater in European rugby at the moment. Just interesting, you mentioned that you maybe don't like to be front and center of, of this kind of leadership, you know, group or or, or what have you. Because I know, obviously, over the summer in 2017, you were, were the, the senior guy on that Ireland tour to Japan and USA. Like, how did you find that experience? Because I know Joe Schmidt has mentioned that you really did stand up on that tour. Because a lot of the young guys playing now, I guess, it would have been their first taste of, of international rugby. I didn't massively, though. Like, it was same thing as the way I like to operate is to get sidebars with people and see how people are getting on. It's meet, when it comes to meetings and stuff, I hate talking. I've been in meetings and I'm going to hate listening to this, hearing my voice and things like that. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I kind of I prefer to just build on the smaller, smaller chats to try and get things right. And then... The more you have that, like the more you can go to them when you need to know something, and you go here. Look, this is this play. What the hell am I supposed to be doing here? Because you're doing this as well. So, the more you're open like that with lads, the more free share and the the knowledge comes in the environment, and the better it is for all of us as a group going forward. So, is that just naturally that you don't like to, I guess, speak publicly, or you just prefer in a rugby setting to operate in that way? Um, I don't know. I'm dreading my wedding speech anyway. So <laughs> that's probably uh, already. Yeah, man. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but you're, in fairness, though, like it, it is funny. I know maybe in front of the crowds and that, but I mean, I always say to people because, like, you're just, you're one of, those, you're such an interesting fella. You know, you have so much going on. You have so many different hobbies and different things. But and you're like a real generous fella. But uh, like again, it's it kind of when you're saying that, it probably makes sense to me because most of the time we're chatting, we're in a small group or we're real close pals. And we're like, it's probably where you, is that where you're most comfortable? Do you think in like a definitely like not in the studio like we are now? <laughs> 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 but you know, is that where you are com most comfortable, really? Is it in like a with people you know and you're kind of in a, a place where you can actually really tell people what you think? Or, when, yeah, when you can have yeah. a proper chat with someone, like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'd be after. Mm. Big group chatting is. Like it's a bit of crack at times, like when it's when it's fully firing. When you're like cutting you're, me down in front of the lads. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> He's well over for that, Will, don't mind him. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's important to build those like yeah. kind of smaller group relationships and kind of tie in with everyone. And same with the young lads now. Like mm. I spend a lot of time with the young lads in Leinster and keep myself down, at, at, keep myself down at their level, <laughs> yeah, you know. Get a uh, chat with those boys and... Like you're you're only kind of shooting the breeze. Like it's mm. it's not even a lot, but like it might make them more comfortable. It means you get to know them better because they're gonna be playing beside you. And mm. if you don't know what someone did during the week on their day off, say it's kind of it's something like that you can just go back to and chat to them about and you know a bit more about them. And it's yeah, easy to build the bonds. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Just uh, to, sorry, go on. Man. I was say just to go back. To it, we talked touched on the kind of the start of your career a few minutes ago and that great year you had with Leinster when you won the Heineken Cup and then you made your Ireland debut I think six months later and yeah. I guess the semi-final against Toulouse then the following April was a, a tough experience probably one of the toughest ones of your career I'd imagine Is that the one I got hiked off? Yeah, yeah after 30 yeah, minutes yeah. Uh, I don't what, know What, what happened was He was Keane was taken after half an Sorry, hour in the Heineken Cup semi-final against Toulouse. I and the Shepherds hook pretty quick. Oh, did you? Uh, <laughs> it's, I guess an experience that a lot of people have probably forgotten about. It was almost 10 years ago now, but yeah. at the time, was it something that you learned a lot from or was it tough to take? Oh, that cut deep. Um, I was only talking to Fogs about that when we were back over there last couple of weeks ago. I was like, geez, that was a dark game. <laughs> and uh, I came yeah. back on. I, I came back on on 60 minutes or something. I think I did mm. all right, but... That one when you're young pinner getting called off on thirty odd minutes. It's what year was that? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Was that the? Oh, so I think I might have been. Oh, was I injured? You no way. Injured. <laughs> <laughs> I was injured for that one. Yeah. I remember that. I was a tough yeah, one Johnny to watch. Yeah, Johnny Sexton was injured yeah. as well. Sean Brown was playing. Over I half. don't remember the scrums going. Were the scrums going badly or something? Or yeah, I was getting crucified. In fairness, though, uh, that, that was like a pooks. Oh, is that me. one of the like yeah. the, the moments of your career where you look back and you just think, God, that was actually effing terrible, like. Um, I've been I've been dealt worse days, but it's the getting hauled off early is the one that kind of cuts you because they're hauling you off is saying this fella's better than you and he's gonna do a better job. You're not they're not even letting you figure it out sort of thing. So that that probably cut me more. And did he, he say did the checker say anything to you? Did he give you? I can't remember. I was, 
in a red mist after that. One. <laughs> he was actually a guy. That, well, it's interesting though because, like, I always remember my dad. My dad obviously used to be a tight end. He, he I remember him saying that guy was a serious operator. Oh, Did you yes. learn lots from him? Like, so when you go back, so once you've you obviously it, it hurts at the time. I've obviously had a few of those moments myself. Uh, throughout the career, I've actually more than a few I'd say. But uh, you know, the when you play against someone like that and you go back and watch it, I always remember like in my own career. Like I remember playing against Dougie Howlett the first time. I remember he was unbelievable. He was, he was at the height of his power really mm. but I remember going back it hurt at the time <coughs> watching him but I learned loads watching him did you find that out when you wa- when you went back to watch your man Pooh that were you like or Pooks or whatever I don't know how to, <laughs> how to pronounce it. my French isn't obviously that, uh, that great but did you learn lots watching it afterwards um, yeah I would have and I suppose those those sort of lessons kind of teach you a lot about the sink or swim as well like mm. front row you can you can stay in the fight and kind of go back a bit or you can just completely capitulate and mm. It's hard to kind of get that adjustment. Hard to understand it from not doing it, if telling telling everyone else like. But yeah. uh, in actually being there, it's it's a difficult one to stay in there and do something correct when you're getting motored backwards. Yeah, and that was a serious pollu- uh, Toulouse pack. I mean, they were they were at the they were in their pomp at that stage really. Um, so, but they were great learning moments. I mean, and you are where you are now, and, and I think you well, look at the Leinster scrum now. Like, well, even know? not even to go that far, but you say that was in like April 2010. The following season, about a year and a half later, you get man of the match against Australia in the World Cup. The scrum was going really well, and that's kind of the exact opposite to what happened that day. So that's about a year and a half, and you also had that Claremont game at the Aviva Stadium, you know, which was about seven or eight months after that when you, you know, I think got man of the match in that one as well, playing really good rugby. That was with all the flips and everything, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just like <laughs> <laughs> Claremont players left, right and centre. So in a very short space of time after that Toulouse experience, you kind of, I don't know if you upskill yourself in that regard or, or if everything just came together really quickly. I don't know if you what, what you remember at that time either. Um, I think it probably came together and just happened, kind of, you get a thing where it clicks, kind of, and you, you figure out scrummaging a bit. And, um, you know, I, like I wasn't doing bad before that. Like the couple of years before, I was still doing all right. I wasn't, I was kind of getting picked apart for being an average scrummager and stuff, which was something I was like, I'll build on that. That'll come. If I'm a shit hot player, I'll become a good scrummager and it'll come someday. It seems it's one I didn't of those know things when it was going to but it would. It's take a long time to figure it out. Like it's like, kind of, I feel like it's a bit well, like perhaps the traditionally you are quite, you know, a lot older when they get into their stride. That's right. It is and it isn't like, it's, yeah. it's, it takes a while to deal with some of the things like some mm. tricks that a tight head can pull out and you can catch you three years in a row. But you can rock in there at 21, ready to go and play an unbelievable season at prop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like very easily, well, not very easy. Not very, yeah. I was going to say, big enough, strong position. enough, and yeah. head in the right place. It's more than doable. Like yeah. you see, Ports, like Ports got switched sides, and he's an international a year later. But he's he's probably training against like I mean I, I always think as well it's funny how like when you're playing against great players so he's got yourself Jack McGrath Peter well, Toomey's a nice player as yeah. well you know what I mean and like you as you and said uh, yeah yeah Ed Byrne like they're all like top quality rugby players you know. Like he's learning against the best. Like he's yeah. he's in a great environment at the moment to really upskill really quickly. But not everyone has that opportunity. I think, like you look at props, it's such a tough position. Especially tight head is a really mm. tough position. I think to really figure it out because you're on your like someone you can be left on your own in there a bit, can't you? Yeah, tight head is nightmare. Dark, dark spot. <laughs> I wouldn't like to be that. Yeah. So like I would have had that as well. Now with the lads, if I'd gone against us, like I would have been going against Will Green at the start, then Stan, right, then yeah. Ollie Larue. Yeah. Uh, like there was monstrous lads in there so like you're getting your hidings and you're learning from them on the go so it's, it's kind of all built towards it so having so many international players in Leinster in the pack it's yeah. just going to drag people up whether they're ready to be dragged up or not yeah mm. and on your own career uh, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about kind of the mindset when it comes to scrummaging because I read an interview you gave I think it was before you played Toulon and Heineken Cup quarterfinal, you were asked about Carl Heyman, you know, one of the best tight heads in the world, and you were like, well, obviously I can, you know, analyse him all day long, but at the end of the day, if I go out with my mindset right, I can out-scrummage any prop in the world. It doesn't matter how much time I spend analysing it. Yeah. You felt that at the time, you were maybe at the, your physical peak. Like, Is that something you still feel now? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you if you get all your stuff right and you're just ready to go to work and you're ready to adjust, because... On a day, a prop might do something different. They might scrummage differently. They might start to angle more. They might start to try and throw you down. 
if you're just ready to adjust and you have your kind of the bit of mental prep done about how you're going to approach the game, you could, there's nothing stopping you just having a blind day. So it doesn't matter who you're playing or what they can bring? It does a bit, like, but you should be able to adapt to that. Like, you've built your certain skill set over the amount of time. So usually you do, you do your analyze them. Like, you you don't uh, you don't neglect that because if you don't you don't look at them you, you're not going to see what they're good at and that's they're where they're gonna, that's where they're going to catch you. Yeah. So like you're going to look through their scrums and their profiles and all that and then it switches back to you like it's stored in the memory bank what they do back to you and how you prepare. Do you like scrummaging? You couldn't. <laughs> no, I do, yeah, I do. I do. Like I wouldn't be like Mike Ross now like I, I wouldn't be singing from the rafters about it. I enjoy, I enjoy it and there's like the weird like kind of physical beat your chest about going forward in a scrum that's like it's quite enjoyable as it as gives the team a great lift that Jesus. Is, like, there's nothing better honestly when you're when you're when you're packer there like even when you're yeah. out in the wing and you're like that is, like when you just see the lads putting up like and they're smoking another pack and you're just like that's it the lift it gives the team it's unbelievable isn't that's it, it like, like the the more i've gotten through it and the way the game has evolved as well the speed of it all I've started to enjoy scrums more for the sense of wearing people out. So like you, they have to scrummage against you. You can't deny a scrum. So mm. if you get that chance to like really go at them and start sucking their legs out, then eventually, slowly through the game, they'll start to break down and break down. They won't be getting around the park as much. And that's where our Wait, fitness has to be. Is that a mindset in Leinster? I, I, I'm looking at it here and I think... Do you know, you look at the way, like, how fit, like, Ty Furlong is, how fit you guys are, like, I mean, compared to, like, I just think there's a few guys in there who are just serious athletes. Is that a mindset, in, like, you guys have? You're like, we're going to, like, if we get a chance to, like, hold them in for another scum or hold them in for another second, we believe that if we can do that and dominate them, that we're, we're a little bit fitter than them as well? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Lens are up there with the fittest around. Like, mm. what Stuart has us doing is, is class. Mm. Like, it's a lot of running base rugby and... And like sessions are tough. There, you're, you're not kind of put in the middle of the road session. You're not walking out being like, ah, oh, this is grand. Like you're, yeah. you're mentally prepping for every session to go to a dark place, but to also also be switched on with what you need to do. Interesting. Like he seems to have really. I mean, I, and you you'll have seen your. You know, you were obviously there for the Checker days, the Matt O'Connor days, and uh, the Joe Schmidt days, but. I mean, it seems to be he's building something really exciting there. And the guys, as you say, the sessions seem to be really tough, but they seem to be really enjoyable. And it looks to me like as well, like Leo's got the whole place in a re like everyone seems to really enjoy going in there all the time. Yeah. Um, I know a few guys left last year, you know, your Jordy Murphy <coughs> and Joey Carberry, but I'm amazed. The amount of really top quality players that stay around, they obviously have built something really good in there and guys are learning loads all the time because yeah. I think that's, if you're not learning stuff, It'd be hard to stay around if you weren't always get the start every week. Like you're, you know, some of those players wouldn't know their That's clubs. True, so, yeah. do you feel like it's a place where you're learning loads and, and getting better all the time? It is, yeah. And like you're saying there, the, the enjoyable environment. Like you come in the door, delighted to be in there. It's you're not coming in going, oh right, get through this day. Hmm. Like to be able to crack out over the length of the day and how packed it might be. But like people are loving what they're doing in there, and and like it's fun. Like it's not just work it's fun to be around the lads like there's there's a serious unity there mm. that everyone buys into there's no one that kind of stripping off on their own that aren't part of that it's yeah. everyone from top down is a part of that crack like and why would you want to take yourself away from that if you don't have to like yeah it's interesting we had james tracy and rory o'loughlin two weeks ago and i asked him just to explain a bit of the difference between irish camp and leinster camp so you explained why, what you really love about going into Leinster training, how would you compare that with you know what you're doing at the moment with the Irish team? I think the great thing about Irish camp is you're getting in there with the lads you don't actually see that often and you're getting to play with them. So you're getting another step of, of like, you, you've got this limited time where you get to play with these people. Like so it's, you, you have the bonds, the bonds are there like because you're representing your country together, you're, you're going to that war together. You, you naturally have that mutual respect and crack comes along with that and normal relationships come along with that. But like when you're in there, it's just like, right, we're here for a job. We only have so much time to do it. Let's get to work hard and let's enjoy Let's enjoy each other's company. And like, and, and how have you found like, uh, I mean, obviously Joe was a, a decision possibly, you know, at the end of November internationals, but 
Um, I mean, how do you find it? Do you feel like there's any change in, in recent years from the Leinster days? Or do you feel like he's gotten better or he's still the same? Or like, What's your kind of views on him? Um, he's always been so detail-driven. Like, I think it's deadly. Like, you know, if you're playing really loosely, you're kind of not on top of your shit. And mm. Joe drives that really well where you need to know it and you need to know it by the time you leave on your Tuesday. You need to be ready to play. <laughs> yeah, you need to be ready to play. The fear. <laughs> so like, yeah, it is, like, there is a fear about it, but you need to have that for mm. lads to, like, you don't need to have it for lads to go doing their study, but like, mm. nobody wants to get called out in that meeting. Mm. And after that, nobody wants to get shown up on the pitch and let everyone else down. So like, it's, there's less of the, fear of him now of like not the fear of him less of <laughs> less of him giving yeah, out to yeah. you for getting a move wrong there's more of the i need to do this because it's hey, my job and i need to look after the lads and get it all right for the lads because if i run this exact line or hit this exact spot we're gonna score and that's interesting because i think it's probably evolved to that hasn't it i mean i think i always remember the monster lads when they came in initially they were like you know, remember the, you know those those uh, Sunday night sessions where it gives you a few moves and it's just chaos. Everyone's just trying to figure out what they're doing, and everyone. I remember people being like, he was kind of pulling people out of a team, and I, we were in like a little corridor, <laughs> and there was lads feeling like they had already been dropped, like and literally they just come in to work, like to do walk through moves in the corridor, um, you know. And there was definitely a bit of a fear factor there, and um, you know he was able to drive it, but. After a few years, there's guys like you have been with him for a long time, Johnny Sexton, Rory Best. These guys have all been with him for a long time. Um, so you don't really have the fear factor anymore. You just have, as you say, like do you, you it's feel a, it's evolved it's, to that place where you're it's like, it's about fear each... factor. Yeah, I'm getting that across wrong. It's pressure environment. Like yeah. when you're put under pressure mm. to perform, it's harder to perform. Mm. You can do, you can run through plays all day long with no pressure. Mm. And when as soon as you get shouted at or as soon as something that you don't think is going to happen happens you're going to fuck up the play mm. so when you're put when you're put under pressure more often to perform and you start to perform more often it just becomes built in that this isn't going to spook me something else isn't going to spook me because this is my role and I'm killing it mm. you've been around a lot of great coaches is there something specifically unique about what Joe does because sometimes you might think is there other coaches out there like him but is there only one Joe in, from what you've experienced in rugby <laughs> um He's extremely good. Uh, I wouldn't say there's only one Joe because loads of coaches do things exceptionally well and get exceptional results out of teams. But he's very good at reading a team and what a team needs and how to approach that, I feel. So I kind of enjoy the way it works. It's tough at times, but, you know, it's not national camp if it's not tough. So He's good and he's interesting. I think that's a really good point because not many people actually make it about him is that he actually has a great sense of where the team's at and what it needs. You know, sometimes he'll jolt you if he feels like everyone's just cruising. Like even for a day in training, he'll like he'll shock you with something. He'll do something in training where he just start going right, like that's it. We're hauling you off, or you know, everyone's like when, even if things are going really well, and he's like, oh no, I just I need everyone to be on edge, just a little bit on edge to get the best out of each other. I feel like he's really good at that, and it's probably another. Not many, not enough people probably talk about it. And he was he's great at a halftime speech. I always felt he was really good at that because he doesn't really necessarily... What, is it inspirational or technical or tactical? He, or? He, he can do both, actually. I think he's actually quite good at doing both. I don't, mm. Do you feel the same? I, like, I always I loved as a player. I never really felt like I needed a coach to get me up for a game. Um, but I, I always wanted to have the technical information. So obviously you're going to get that with Joe. But I think he's quite good every now and then at reading the riot act and getting people going, like, you know, and getting you physically up for the game or whatever it is. If he feels like you're, you know, a percent off or half a percent off. Do, do you feel the same way, Keen? I always felt he was great at that part of it. Uh, yeah, it is. It's just a nice balance. Like it's mm. sometimes you need a barking, and sometimes well, more often than not, it's just strategy and mm. it's nailing down the basics and where you need to be on whatever play. But most of the time now, those things have been run right. So it's planning ahead for the second half. It's not really correcting the first half. Yeah, and he's interesting as well because I think he has a view that once he has you prepared you know, mentally for, as you were kind of saying, like all the different eventualities, like, but you're just thinking, right, if I, if I deliver on my role, then everyone else is delivering on their role, we'll be successful. I think that you can see that in the Irish team about it, but I think he feels like if he prepares you for all that stuff, that the physical part is kind of up to the team to kind of just deliver on that, but it's like, he'll obviously say it, he'll obviously, like, you know, that's a key part of it, but I feel like he's a real big believer in, 
you know, the technical side, like he prepares you as much as you can that way. And then it's just on you just to produce and want to be in the, in the fight, you know. Um, I, I think that's a, like, I, I love being coached by him. He's a really tough taskmaster, but, um, you know, hopefully I, I'd, I'd love to see him stay around. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, are many of the lads talking about it or it's probably not really, it's probably no, not some really a topic, it's, is this? It's outside of our window, you know, where, yeah. you know, it is. We're week on week and hmm. anything outside of what we deal with, it doesn't matter. So. And how are you finding working with, um, I know Simon used to be took the, the, the lads for a few days over in uh, in Chicago there. I mean, how do you feel like he's, because you've seen him grow really as a coach. He was obviously in a very good stint with the with the Scarlets, but then he was into the Irish setup with Joe for quite a long time. Now, how do you, how you feel like he's grown as a, as a coach? Very good, yeah. Actually, I had to text Guy to apologise for a couple of our punch-ups before I went into our first, uh, <laughs> our first camp together. It was... Playing against him was good crack. Yeah, uh, he's a hard man, wasn't he? Yeah, he's brilliant. He's yeah. he's got a nice level of positivity and how to coach and mm. and just getting lads knowing their stuff. Like it's it's enjoyable to to work with him. And Faz, everyone seems to just rave about him. He just seems yeah, like he's, he's a bit of a bit energy, of a legend, isn't, isn't he? he? Like, yeah. Yeah. And is is he like is he having a big impact on the team? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Lads, lads enjoy the environment he creates, and it's enjoyable to be a part of. Just to go back to your own kind of development and career for a while, like obviously we touched on the days, you know, when you were kind of coming up through Leinster, you know, that Claremont game, the Australia game, things were going so well for you. You were probably, you know, in a World 15 at Loosehead for, you know, three, four or five years. Then you got a, had a couple of injury hit years, you come back and you're kind of on the bench for a good bit with Leinster in Ireland. Yeah. What kind of mental adjustment is that like when you your career to that point has been, you know, basically uninterrupted success, one of the best players in the world, and now you have to kind of get it, introduced to being on the subs bench coming yeah. on for 20 minutes stints stuff like that is it a tough mental adjustment uh yeah it probably is yeah um there's a lot of getting used to and it's probably not even mental it's probably more on the fitness side of it because you're not getting as regular game exposure and then that'll knock you a bit because you're like, oh, i'm not fit enough here so that probably would have knocked me for a good while knowing in my head that I wasn't fit enough to be at that level which is kind of knocking off your performance which is keeping you on the bench or out but you obviously never fully accepted it anyway because like when you were there you know and again it's obviously tough like I you know I, I completely understand when you have a bad injury coming back from it, it's like it's a really difficult place to be in Will um, to try and get motivated and, you, and sometimes you feel like I know I knew myself with, especially with my knee my first knee one that I got I, I never really felt like I was the same again you know I got back to good places but I never really I, I really felt that about myself that was a difficult place to be but I, I just have been so impressed with, head to, with the way you've come back because it must have been it was a difficult place to be in uh, but you obviously clearly never accepted it because you were you kept going you know what I mean and you kept and now you know, you're definitely, you've got the nose in front of, of Jack at the moment, obviously a great player himself, but you obviously never accepted that position on the bench, even though you were, as you say, probably had a few concerns yeah, about not I getting I don't time. know, like, part of me could have accepted it and said, deal with it and do what you can and see what happens and um, the whole, like, playing with one hand thing for a while was like, right, I don't know if that's coming back, so... I'll, as, I remember the garden glove and everything, yeah, <laughs> trying yeah, everything. I go as hard out as I can and uh, and yeah. see what happens and and like it just starts coming back slowly and slowly and, and you start getting those tiny little things like it just starts building and then the confidence starts going. You still got to get your fitness elsewhere because you're not getting as many games, but slowly over time it starts to build back up in the head. They're like, I'm getting back to this level. I can definitely get to where I was before and there's a good chance I can get to where I was before or above where I was before so where was the moment over the last while where you did feel for the first time this is me back to where I want to be where I was at my peak or stole my question Will <laughs> I don't know I have no idea um, I didn't have a light bulb moment of any of that did uh, you have a few games in a row Renton though where you were kind of saying geez I feel like actually feel a bit like before I got injured or I feel like I'm actually fi I've kind of kind of figured out here now is there was there a few in a row was there a period when you I kind of I, I had kind of parked the whole before I was injured thing and getting to it. I was like, I thought of getting back to it and getting above it, mm. but I never kind of thought where that was. Okay. You get me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to it probably would have kind of been measured on on selection, mm -hmm. and then above it would have been probably measured on what I can do and my abilities to scrummage and create space and play good ball. Was last season's success 
more gratifying than the stuff at the start of your career because of the journey you went on like to get back uh, into the massively team. yeah yeah i enjoyed last season that was my most enjoyable yet um it's not like a comeback thing it was just to be more a part of it because i kind of felt a little bit like you're you're in the team when you're on the bench like and i just felt a bit separated because i'd been in it for so much before but uh that felt like i enjoyed last season a lot and did you, the when you were kind of struggling with you know your injuries and, and getting in and out of the team did you do any sports psychology or see anyone to kind of do, for, to do that side of it yeah that didn't go well for me <laughs> <laughs> so we stopped that <laughs> why not what didn't what um, ah they're just telling me like to believe it and see it and it'll happen i was like oh. it's, it's physically not happening so get away from me because I'm, I'm a bit of a realist in that sense i was like yeah. when it comes it will come but do not tell me to sit here and believe it because i'm doing my shit every day to try and get it right and this was you had a nerve issue that was affecting your hand was it yeah so basically um, you couldn't close your hand or I couldn't open my hand, oh, so my sorry. hand was kind of like in closed grip, permanently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I know nerve injuries are like they're really they're really serious. You know, oh, it was man, like yeah, they're really. Jeez, oh, I don't reckon the price here. Obviously, <laughs> involuntary spasm there myself. <laughs> no, but it's like um, I, I kind of feel like it's they're like they just take a lot of time to kind of settle yeah. in. You know, um, it's. Uh, I was ama- I, I was I've been unbelievably impressed because I had obviously nerve injury myself, mm. um, and that, that obviously forced me to retire. But the comeback's been unbelievable, you know. And I mean, it takes work. Like it takes a long time to to retrain all the nerves to get to work the arm. No. Yeah. yeah. Patience, <laughs> like it's a seriously, it's a it's a waiting game as well. Yeah, like, like it's I started mm. off with writing my name. Like I couldn't do that for a couple of months. So I was slow. Like you start doing that, then you move on to like stretching a bobbin. I could open and close my fingers with a bobbin. I never done that stuff. <laughs> it's probably why I've had to retire. You, you didn't get the fish bad. <laughs> like. I did. I had I had no feeling for about uh, I think for six seven months. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Yeah, I couldn't even do a press up. I couldn't do like, anyway. The little milestones then become huge for you when you. Oh man, yeah, yeah massive. Like you'd be yeah. celebrating, writing your name and celebrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. High five myself after that, and uh, like a couple of weeks ago, or no, last week, I did the thumbs up, and my thumb went up. It was crooked like that. You can't see this on sound. <laughs> and I kind of had forgotten about it because it was a real small thing. And I saw that. I was like, oh, yes, we're back. <laughs> we're back. It's <laughs> so small little yeah. things like that, just like either remind you or give you a booster or yeah. something like that. That's like, oh, this is still going. This is getting even better. We're laughing. Well, that, don't they always say that? I remember Ashley Poynton, who's, um, who I went to see with my neck, and he was kind of yeah. saying, look, sometimes they just take time. They're really difficult to predict when. You know, oh, when you like get two to two and three years, yeah, yeah. So and that can be for like a small bit of recovery. So kind of, I got lucky in the sense that it was three years to back to being back to normal. Like, and would it have take. completely sickened you to have to walk away like Luke did? Um, at the time, I think I was kind of I I was ready. If it happened, like I, the way I kind of set myself up over that summer is set up for being let down and I was also set up for going to a World Cup probably not fit enough but uh, I was I was ready enough now it probably would have killed me like because I don't do anything outside the rugby by the hobbies like but like but you have a few there yeah. <laughs> I don't say nothing but like kind of yeah. rugby is everything there for me like it's enjoyment fulfilment purpose so that would have probably killed me a bit and now knowing what has gone on since then I'd, if i was to think about doing it now i'd be like oh my god that's a mistake <laughs> <laughs> and here just in terms of like because you know obviously from my perspective uh you know i always find this really interesting we always ask all the lads who, who come on not so much the younger guys but uh in terms of like say you did have to retire like have you you know the the because you're one of these real multi-talented guys have you anything in your mind you know for for afterwards that you kind of are like oh i wonder will i would i have a few ideas for afterwards for when you're finished obviously props go on a little bit longer so it's probably a, a good yeah. bit away yet but 38 uh, 39 maybe. 38 39 yeah. <laughs> but i mean have you yet in your mind any kind of anything that's like oh like a little light bulb in there somewhere that's going to say no, bits, a few yeah, interesting like ideas starting a thing with stanta college for personal training like because like fitness and gym and stuff is my bread mm. and butter and that's what i enjoy so 
I'd probably like to be some level involved in in fitness indus industry, mm. however large or little it is. Um, the coffee shop sort of situation. The coffee, yeah, you're just if you that's just seen, have you seen the, the man. Habit, have, he just sees passion about his coffee too. Well, I think that's a, pr a prerequisite <laughs> for professional rugby players. Yeah, but you are you're, yourself at Heaslip are yeah. like just lo mad for your coffees. Yeah, is, is there have you an idea for something cool like a, a shop or something like that or? Like your own Ish. bean or something like Ish. that, or uh, no, I won't be going into roasting myself. <laughs> no, we do no, that's another level altogether. Is it too far? Um, Is that too far? What about the knives? Yeah. Talk to us a bit about the oh. knives because we see the like you, you look like you've got a cool. You've, so you obviously have the 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 Instagram handle, yeah. uh, the proper knife, yeah, uh, and you've a cool like obviously with the artsy kind of background. You've got the cool uh, logo on them as well. Is there something a little business idea in there somewhere? It looks uh, like I'm, I'm actually I've been trying to get a pair of, like a knife off for a while actually, <laughs> yes, but uh, long process learning this stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's something I would like to get into because, like, I dropped the whole painting thing and ended up going down the whole knife road and mm. got sucked into a rabbit hole there. <laughs> and, like, I just saw them and I was like, I reckon I could do that and started giving it a bash and, mm. and one or two came out nice and I was like, right, yeah, we'll go yeah, further okay. again. It's going well, like, I'm loving it, but, like, obviously I don't have as much time to spend a day in a shed making a knife so uh, <laughs> so i'm only getting little dribs and drabs of it but it's uh it's something i definitely like to do because at the end of it you get to hand someone something that like you've put a lot of time into that looks nice and that serves a function like an everyday function that someone will pick up and go oh kane made this Deadly. Yeah, yeah, and like it's like I, I'm always amazed because like with all the things, all the different interests and stuff that you just kind of you seem to just pick them up out of nowhere. Like, do you like what's the mindset? I'd love to be in. I, I've always wanted to ask you this question. I've never asked you, but what's the mindset? Like, is it like that looks interesting? I might actually because like you seem when you do it, you go full on. Yeah. Like with the with the with the <laughs> cooking. Yeah. Like I, I I don't ever remember when we first were were playing together that you would have been a great cook or would have been interested in it. Like I'm I, sure I, I didn't eat red meat until. That's right. Sorry, I just remember <laughs> this now. Yeah, yeah. Like, didn't eat red meat. Didn't didn't drink coffee. Yeah, but like now, look at you. Yeah, yeah. but like, what what's the what's the thought process? Do you go, that looks interesting. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna spend some time on that, or I'm just gonna, I'm gonna uh, like do a bit of discovering on this, and then you go full into it, like yeah, so like I've never had an appetite for like food. Like I just mm. ate when I needed to eat and mm. tipped along, and then. I kind of suppose I just followed into that a bit more, being like, right, I may as well make this enjoyable. So how can I cook this nicer? And then I got into meats and stuff like that. And how can I cook this that it ends up like this or slow cook it or smoke it? Then that rabbit hole into the <laughs> knives because I'm going to need to cut yeah. the meat. So uh -huh. Laura got me a handmade uh, steak knives, a fella called Rory Connors in West Cork. And... Uh, she got me them for my birthday a couple of years ago, and I was kind of fascinated with them. I was like, some lad made these with his hands. I was like, yeah. that is incredible. Roll on another year, and <laughs> the next birthday she got me uh, a full chef knife by another fellow in West Cork called Finger Ferguson, who's kind of shown me the whole road of the knife making. Oh, like, right. And went down to his place and picked up the knife and saw his workshop and stuff, and I saw like, this is a normal dude with just a legit setup that has everything he needs and comes in here and makes knives. I 100% can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it and takes, but I can do this. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up, yeah, I went, I came home from that trip and went to Aldi and bought a bench grinder, like a shitty little yoke. And there was no power in it, but I was grafting away at that with a piece of steel for <laughs> four hours to try and shape it into like a knife. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I still have that one. It's nice enough. Um, yeah, that's I still have that one. Just amazing, oh man! Every time I hear these things about you, I'm always amazed, man. Um, but it because it is. It's a bit of a madhouse at your place. Obviously, Laura's keeping the place together, as far as oh, I can yeah, see. She's, she's obviously yeah, she's, she's keeping the madhouse going. Me here, yeah. <laughs> but like, if the dogs out there, you've got yeah. you know, and it's just it's it's always great fun right there, seeing what the what the new hobby is. But um, <laughs> look, I mean, in terms of where you are at the moment and going into this November series, you feel like you're. Well, I feel from the outside like you're in 
I, I think one of the best places I've seen you playing rugby in, in, in a long time. And I thought you had a super year last year. And it actually was, we were actually angling for you for, for Lions. I thought you were really unlucky not to, to, to miss out on that one as well. Because I thought you were coming into some good form. Ah, you were coming <laughs> in some great form. No, no, we, but you, I'm on the record of saying it. So, I, you know, I wouldn't be lying about it. But um, I have to say, you're in a really good place. How do you feel yourself coming into it? Do you feel really confident or? Um, yeah, I kind of feel the best I have in years and years like from before any of the injuries or anything like that i mm. never had all my shit together as well mm. like life is together food everything rugby work relationships everything's just mm. sitting in a real nice place and that's just allowing me to go foot to the floor with with everything on training kind of knowledge work time time spent in the building with Leinster and Ireland mm. so it's really just a nice place to be in at the moment for me and obviously they've Argentina this weekend but I think everyone is looking forward to that huge match against the All Blacks you obviously played against them in Chicago you beat them for the very first time ever is it something that you hold up as one of the biggest achievements in your career like alongside medals that you've won with Ireland and Leinster um, probably not as much as some of the lads a lot of the lads probably have it as their top end um, I would have cups and stuff as I'd hold them in higher regard. So would you be looking at this game more as a means to test yourselves ahead of a World Cup rather than, you know... Like, you got you want to win every year. I'm not yeah. saying yeah. I don't. I didn't enjoy it. Like, I take more fulfilment out of winning championships and putting stars on jerseys or stuff like that. You know, this is this is a game that these, the next few games are ones that give you a ranking. Your goal is to get to number one in the world, so you got to climb that ladder slowly. And every game has has its results on that. So performance comes by game, the following week another game. So like I'm saying, looking forward to that New Zealand one. I want to look forward to this one because if we if we mess this up, our ranking is probably going to go down. Then we're a little bit further away from chasing that top spot. So. It's just kind of week by week climbing a ladder that you just don't want to get knocked off. So getting the team to world number one in the rankings, is that a huge goal of yours, or the team as a whole? It's something I'd like to be a part of. Uh, it's not the be-all and end-all, but, um, you know, might happen, might not happen. We just have to go out and focus on playing as good ball as possible. And, you know, we, we want to be the most successful team to come out of Ireland ever. And... If we are that most successful team ever at Ireland, we will more than likely go there. It's funny, like so obviously, say if, if you were to beat the All Blacks, get to the world number one spot, even win another Grand Slam next year, it'll still all come down to the 2019 World That's Cup. That's it, yeah. Knockout rugby. What, get, what, get to knockout rugby. What kind of about. pressure does that put on the team? You've been to two World Cups where the team has been going quite well, won all their pool games, and suffered a disappointment in the quarterfinal. Like th this time around, it's going to be ratcheted up. Again, it, like it's it's an odd place to be as a team where you can have so much success and still be defined by one game potentially. Um, yeah, but that's that's why you play, isn't it? It's get tested and try and do a good job and try and be better than anything else before. So there's no, it doesn't. Is is there a bit of an edge to to everything you do because you know it's coming down to that one tournament? Um. Not really, no. Like, well, I don't know. I can't speak for other people. Mm. Like, I, I have to go game by game. If I start looking forward by stuff, it it just off tracks me, and I start messing stuff up. So I need to just go game by game. Even if we got to World Cup quarters, semis on, I need to just go game by game, and that's that's my system. That's kind of how I've always done it. The more I look forward, the more I kind of just go into. Daisy land thinking about all the great things that could happen and picture myself lifting cups and all these things where you need to be a realist and you need to go right we need to beat these next because they're next up and that's going to put us in a better position going to the next one and on and on yeah it's funny you say that like are we as a country rugby country are we too obsessed with world cups 
do we do we think do we put too much stock in it? Do we think about Everyone it too much? Know, but every sport, like I, that, I, I, yeah. I think yeah. Ireland in particular and rugby, <laughs> we're literally sitting like whatever. Are we twenty miles away from the UK coast, man? They they're way well, definitely worse like than Ireland. Us, man. It's e- like every single match is Come viewed on. through a prism of a World <laughs> Cup, no matter even if it's three years ahead. I think like, everyone's excited about it. Well, that's what are you like, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Like, so we're all. I presume the t- like the team. Obviously, look, I, I'm I'm pretty sure you start the season going right. That's where we want to get. To. But like again, I think is I'll be interested in here. You you pretty much just said this. I I I think that's exactly how that they think in there. They go well. There's no point really thinking about that. Like that's where we want to get to. All right. But how do we do that? We got to again week by week focus on the performance. Focus on what we can control. I mean, everyone else is going to be talking about it. We're all excited about it already because we're like oh trying to pick the team who's looking good. Yeah. All this kind of. But that's not for the team to do. They're just literally going. Well, if I don't play well against Argentina. Then I'm, I don't have a chance against New Zealand. If I don't have a chance against New Zealand, then there's a good chance I'm not going to be in for the first game in Six Nations. If I don't do anything, you know, so that's, I think that's, there's like a real, you know, it, it's a really easy, I, I think it's an easy mindset to be in to be the next it is, week. Like the crack for all the World Cups is punters. Mm. Joe Soap watching it creates chat like that, team selections, who might they play, whatever, whatever. Like that's great crack from the outside to start planning all of that like a year ahead. For us, like we need to be so mission focused on the next thing because if we fuck up all of this, you're not going to end up there. You're not going to be a picture. You're going to be sitting at home as Joe Soap watching it on telly. So, interesting. There you go. Calm down, Will. Well, <laughs> Calm down, mate. <laughs> no, it's more like me. You're actually probably more. <laughs> well, no, I, I just feel like Ireland. We just. We just focus so much in the World <laughs> Cup as fans. I've been a player, or as, as like media members, yeah. as fans, as pundits watching it, like talking about games like two years in advance. Or yeah. that All Blacks game in Chicago was in 2016, <laughs> and it was still like, oh, the World Cup now. You're like, but we're a small country though, and I think as well the great thing about rugby in Ireland is that like we're all, I think we're in the best place we've ever been in, uh, definitely since I retired. But uh, no, on a serious note, we're like you're in a great place like we've got a really good team we've got a real depth there as well there's lots of people competing all in every position to get into the team like I think we have a reason to be so we feel like this is going to be one of our best chances to do really really well in it that's fine I think the lads will be sheltered from that they'll be thinking about their own thing but for us like I think it's okay for us to be talking about because we don't have that many sports that we actually compete with on an in, like, uh, like on a really high level like, there's only whatever is there 10, 10 rugby teams that are really probably top class in, in the world really like in, in, if you look at the rankings there's 10 teams that are like or okay they have, a, they have a really good chance of beating the other team if they have a really great day out right um, Ireland are one of the best teams in that we're number 2 and we're trying to get to number 1 so I think it's this is probably the first time we've ever really been sitting like that. I think so. I think that's the there's a you know it's, it's okay. I think the, the and and what I'm what makes me say that that's okay is at the moment as I look at the team and I'm thinking in the past we could have got ahead of ourselves. I don't think the team think like that anymore. I think they're quite used to actually being favourites in in a, in a game. That hasn't always been the case. I mean, you look at the back the I think the back the back for me. I mean the 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 Grand Slam was unbelievable last year. Like and to win it over in Twickenham was incredible. But I was actually more impressed with the back-to-back wins that the team had. Like, I thought that was an unbelievable... That level of consistency and with the expectation that went along with it, I thought that was a sea change for the team. And I think that's why... that That's what gives me confidence. Usually I'd be trying to... You know, I obviously want Ireland to do well. But I'm actually comfortable talking about the World Cup and talking them up because I think it doesn't really phase them at the moment because I think they've got a body of work there behind them that they say to themselves, well, actually, no, we're, 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 it's okay for us to expect this. We need to still deliver on the week-to-week. Yeah. But it's okay for us to have the expectations. It's okay, everyone else can talk about what they want. It's not going to affect us. Do you think? Is that? Do you think that's that making any sense? It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. First bit of sense live, I made live, all night. Live in the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> live in the bubble. Um, and listen here, you know, it looks like we're, we're yeah. been going. We could just go on all night with you. But um, listen, thanks a million for coming on. Um, it's great to have pals on the show. Um, but sometimes it's in a different kind of prison where you're kind of talking. We, we would rarely talk. We'd just be you're pretending as if you don't really know each other. Even yeah, but you are and you are. Because you kind of want to, you know, obviously I know things and you know, you're trying to like bring those things out of, of the guests when they're on. But um, it is just great to get you on. Such an interesting bloke. Great fella. And we wish you all the best now for uh, for November as well Cheers, and for the rest of the season, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.